0: Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church, of parable. Today we're going to read a story from Exodus 16. This is the Vacation Bible School lesson for tonight. And so if you're coming to VBS tonight or if you're involved with your children this evening, uh, you're getting a little bit of an introduction and our kids will learn more about this story tonight. Um, but we're going to use this lesson as a way to kind of get the whole church on the same page as we begin Vacation Bible School Week together. So Exodus 16, 1 through 15, probably a story you know or you remember. Uh, you're certainly welcome to follow along on the screens. It's printed there in your order of worship as well, or you may turn to it in your own Bible. We'll begin with verse 1. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. And in that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all of the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked towards the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we do gather with thanksgiving in our hearts. As Chase has prayed, as Angela has shared, we have so much to celebrate here in the life of our church, from a week of Ozark Mission Project, then to a week of Ready, Set, Read, now preparing for a week of Vacation Bible School. Your glory and your goodness, your grace and love are so present here among us within our church, and today we give thanks for that reality in our lives. God, we give thanks for this place, this hour and this time, this holy space that have been set apart. We give thanks, God, that you have seen fit to call us here today, to be here together in worship, to share in fellowship and song, to give our gifts and tithes and offerings and together once again around your holy word. And so we pray today that as these words have been read, as my words are shared, that your spirit would be among us, that your spirit would speak to our spirit, that you would lift up our hearts in this hour that we might be in communion with you. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The summer after Jill and I got married, we got married in January. That summer, my family had a family vacation uh, planned to visit the beautiful and glorious state of Ohio. Yes, Ohio. Wonderful summer vacation destination. Well, I have a couple of sets of cousins that live in Ohio. They're from Arkansas originally, but their jobs took them to Cincinnati, and then some ended up all the way in Cleveland. And for most of my life, they came back to Arkansas to visit, and so one summer, the summer after Jill and I got married, we made an intentional it- effort to go visit them in their homes, and so it was vacation, and it was family visiting and celebrations all at the same time, and so it was a road trip. Uh, we drove from here to Cincinnati and spent a couple of nights, went up to Cleveland and spent a few nights, saw the, the different sites that there are to see in Cleveland, uh, came back through Cincinnati, headed back home. It was a really fun trip. It was neat to see them in their homes and their environments, and they were, of course, very very hospitable, and welcoming to us. Everything went really well until we were headed back home, maybe day six or seven, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but people began to get cranky, right? Uh, We were in my mom and dad's minivan, Jill and I had just gotten married, it was my brother as well, and then my mom and dad, and I don't know why, but attitudes were were trending down, right? Uh, People were getting a little annoyed with each other, getting a little short, a little chippy, you know, it just wasn't going so well after a few days in the road, in the van together. And it was approaching meal time, and we knew what was coming. It was going to be another stop on the side of the road, another cold turkey sandwich out of the cooler. Do you know the drill here, right? And that was making things even worse. Um, and then magically, uh, spiritually, we might say, uh, Dad pulled in to that wonderful golden oasis that is Cracker Barrel, right? <laughs> uh, thank God, right, that the Holy Spirit had intervened, and, and we had received this goodness. And so we went in. Still a little bit cranky, but as we ate those warm biscuits and cornbread and as we shared in chicken fried steak and dumplings, uh, something happened, right? And our our spirits began to improve and we began to like one another again, uh, and it made for at least a, a halfway enjoyable rest of the journey home. My brother made some comment. I think it was my brother. He said, man, there's something about, something about eating at Cracker Barrel. just gives you that happy feeling, doesn't it? And we said, yeah, that's sort of true, right? And so that became kind of a quip for future road trips as well. Uh, when attitudes started, uh, started trending down, we need that happy feeling, need that Cracker Barrel feeling as fast as we could get it. You may remember a few years ago, uh, Snickers, the candy bar, did a wonderful uh, wonderful campaign around this, and their tagline was, uh, you're not you when you're hungry, and my favorite of the commercials was Betty White uh, playing touch or tackle football with a group of young men, right, and she was complaining, she wasn't playing very well, uh, and they give her a candy bar and they say something like, Brad, you're not you when you're hungry, and she eats the candy bar, and of course she turns back into Brad, a young man playing football. There's a word for that we use these days, and you probably use it in your family, it's two words put together, hangry, are you familiar with that? That's both when you're a little bit hungry and you're angry, right? And we know that when we're hungry and our body needs sugar and our body needs carbohydrates, that that does something in our mind, something in our neurosis that makes us irritable, right? That's just true, and we all know that to be true, and we can sense that in ourselves, and we can sense that with one another, and of course we've experienced it in commercials and in real life in many ways. That's a pretty good introduction uh, to thinking about what's going on today in Exodus 16. Uh, let me remind you just a little bit of the backstory. Of course, you know the story of Exodus. You've seen uh, the movie The Ten Commandments, right? Uh, the story of Exodus begins with the people of Israel who are uh, sold into and made into slaves in Egypt. Right? And, of course, this is an ancient world. In slavery, they're made to, to construct things under Pharaoh's watch. They build uh, bricks and mortar. They build buildings. But it's a terrible condition that they live in. And so these are the people of Israel. These are the people who were called out originally under Abraham. Right? These are supposed to be Abraham's sons and daughters, the, the sons and, and daughters of, of, uh, of Yahweh who know and worship him in a particular way. And so when they're in slavery in, in, in Egypt, they begin to cry out. Right? And they cry out to God that God should intervene, that God should relieve them uh, from the slavery that they find themselves in. And, and of course, it's a long story. I'm, I'm giving you the short version. But, but eventually God intervenes. God calls Moses. And Moses uh, is sort of the, the leader who challenges Pharaoh. Not just he, but he challenges Pharaoh on God's behalf. And then you remember he says, you're going to let my people go. You're going to let God's people go. Pharaoh doesn't want to do that. And so there are these ten plagues, and it's all kind of nasty and wild. And eventually Pharaoh gives in. Uh, and the people of Israel are, are allowed, in some sense, to leave. But just as soon as they leave, Pharaoh chases them down. They find themselves up against the Red Sea. God magically, spiritually parts the waters. They go through the Red Sea. Uh, then the sea crashes down on Pharaoh and his soldiers. That's, that's all Exodus 1 through 15, right? And it's a remarkable story. In fact, it's kind of the, the central story that forms uh, Israel's character and identity. Right? Abraham has been called, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The, the people of Israel find themselves in slavery, and then God leads them out of slavery in this miraculous and wonderful and powerful way, right? God defeats Pharaoh. God's, God allows them to cross on dry land through the Red Sea. God has done this incredible thing, awesome thing. I mean, it would unbelievable thing that God has done. And then the people find themselves in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, they start to look around, and they say, you know what? There's really not a lot to eat here. In fact, Moses, when we were in Egypt, when we were slaves and we were working for Pharaoh, we had, we had plenty of food there. And it said there in the scriptures that we read that we sat beside the flesh pots. What that means is there was, there was an assortment of meats for them to eat, right? So even as slaves, they were fed meat and they were fed bread and they had their fill. So, so you know, Moses, back in Egypt, we were slaves, but, you know, like we had plenty to eat. And you've brought us out here in this wilderness, and I don't know if you've noticed, Moses, but there's a lot of us, and we're in the wilderness, and there's no food. And so the people begin to complain and begin to grumble. It's kind of a remarkable thing, if you read Exodus, just, just all the miraculous things that God does and has done up until this point. The plagues and the crossing the Red Sea. I mean, God's power is on full force. It's, it's incredible what God has done. And then when we get to the wilderness, right, they begin to question Have you, Moses, led us out here into the wilderness just so we could die? Wouldn't it have been better if we had died back in Egypt? At least there we had plenty to eat. And so Moses does what he does, his priestly thing. He begins to sort of negotiate this with God. And that's the story we read this morning. How will God intervene? How will God respond to the complaints of the Israelites in the wilderness? As you've heard this morning, of course, today begins Vacation Bible School here at church, and the theme is Food Truck Party. Uh, You may have noticed even here in Perigold, really just in the last few months, it's almost as if they knew Cokesbury's Vacation Bible School theme before we did. Uh, Food trucks are are gaining a lot of popularity. We have some that are set up in a kind of semi-permanent location. Uh, The Food Dudes are downtown. I've eaten there a couple of times. You may have as well. Uh, We have that new group of food trucks across from Hardee's. I think they call that the Quad. And so you can go there and eat together and sit outside. Uh, a, A favorite in my family is Larry's cup of cream, right? We try to find Larry's cup of cream truck whenever it's parked around town somewhere. And so this food truck theme, this food truck popularity has risen not only in Paragool, but in other places as well. And so we're using that for the Vacation Bible School theme this year. If you haven't already, I encourage you to walk through the gym before you leave church. They've, they've decorated our service line, our food service line, to look like a food truck. It's really wonderful. So we've got not only these trucks in here, but we've got our own food truck there in the kitchen. And you heard from Angela that we're using the theme from the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And so daily bread, food trucks, cooking, you get, you get how those things are all connected. And so not only give us this day our daily bread, but the other stories in Scripture, like today, manna in the wilderness, Elijah the widow with the endless oil, Jesus feeding 5,000, uh, Jesus cooking fish with the disciples. And so hopefully this week our children will learn, maybe some of you will learn along with them, you'll be reminded of just how central... Uh, Food and meals are to Scripture's witnesses, um, to Scripture's witness, and to those who follow uh, in the faith. That when we gather at a meal, uh, we are reminded of God's care for us every time. Give us this day our daily bread. And so that's sort of the theme this week with Vacation Bible School. Whenever the people complain against uh, Moses there in the wilderness, it says that the whole congregation grumbled. And Moses, in his wisdom, kind of picks up on something pretty quickly. It says there, Moses realizes that these people aren't really complaining against me. They're complaining against God, complaining against God. And so preachers kind of like this story, right, because we get to talk about the way in which people sometimes complain, sometimes get frustrated, sometimes cry out to God about things that seem so trivial, like hunger, right, like what we're going to eat today, right? And so Moses does this thing where he says, you know what, this really isn't a me problem. This is sort of wise of Moses. This is really a problem for God. Right? And Moses, in his own wisdom, begins to put together the kind of theology that's behind this complaint. It seems like a complaint about food, like what are we going to eat today? But when the Israelites take it even further and they say, you know, maybe things were better back in Egypt, maybe it was better to die under Pharaoh, this moves from just a complaint about food It's really a question of God's character. When the Israelites cry and complain when they call out, they're really asking, what kind of God is this? Who is this God that would lead us out into the wilderness and watch us die? And Moses, like most middle management, says, God, I think this is a problem for you to take care of, right? This isn't a problem I can handle and so while we preachers and while we readers of the scripture we often pick up on the human grumbling oh those those israelites god has just led them through the the red sea and that here they are complaining again oh those those faithless and short-sighted disciples you know we're all like that we're just complaining all the time complaining complaining notice though that that god doesn't see it that way at all instead the scripture tells us there pretty clearly that that god hears their complaining and he responds and says you're right They need something to eat. So here's what I'll do. I'll give them bread every morning, manna, and I'll give them quail every evening. And that way they'll have plenty to eat. Now, I'm only going to give them one day's worth at a time, and they'll have to learn to trust me. They'll have to learn that each day more bread is coming and more quail is coming. And in fact, on the seventh day, there won't be any at all. So I'll give them double on the sixth day, and they can save that from the sixth day for the seventh day. God says, this will be my plan. This will be my program to feed the Israelites in the wilderness, it's interesting to me that we preachers, we human readers, we tend to focus on the, on the short-sightedness of the Israelites. When this story is really about God's goodness, God's grace, God's desire to respond, to hear the people. Notice even how this story echoes the earlier part of Exodus. Famously, Exodus it says that God hears the cries of his people. God hears the cries of them as slaves, and God responds by leading them out of slavery This story sort of says the same thing. God hears the complaints. Hears the cries of of God's people and God responds. Give us this day our daily bread. Enough manna in the morning, enough quail in the evening to sustain you a day at a time. Now God doesn't exactly respond in the way the Israelites request. Their request maybe is to go back to Egypt and God doesn't allow that, obviously. And God also doesn't expect Respond with just a whole lot of exorbitance Like God doesn't say Okay here's what we'll do We'll build some bins, some silos We'll store up a bunch of food We'll have some freezers, some meat lockers We'll store up a bunch of quail You're going to be taken care of for years and years at a time No, God says There will be just enough for each day And in the wilderness The Israelites who have been So dependent on Pharaoh and slavery Will learn to trust me One day at a time one day at a time. This wilderness moment, of course, is somewhat of a disappointment to the Israelites. They've just been led through slavery, out of slavery and through the Red Sea. They've been given this new life in the wilderness, and yet now they're hungry. There's certainly a metaphor here, right, that just because you've been saved, just because you've come through something difficult, just because your life has changed and for the better, doesn't mean that there won't also be new challenges in the future. And so you can kind of sympathize with the Israelites. They've, they've been in slavery. They complained about now, but now they're, now they're in the wilderness and they don't have anything to eat. And so they find themselves complaining again. They probably were hoping that God would have like a 10-year plan, right? That we're going to roll into the wilderness and we're going to start new farms and we're going to build new homes and we're going to raise new cattle and goats. Like everything is going to be booming and busting. It's all going to be great. And instead, that's not exactly how God works. Instead, God says there's enough grace for one day at a time. Man in the morning, quail in the evening, one day at a time. Certainly, I think we can relate to that experience. That despite being people of faith, despite knowing salvation in Jesus Christ, despite having our lives sorted out in some sense, we still find ourselves in wilderness moments, economic hardship, illness and surgery, challenges that affect our whole community, a global pandemic. And we kind of cry out to God like, what What now, God? How are you going to fix this one? And God says, enough grace for one day at a time. One day at a time. And so that's why meals, of course, are so central to our faith identity. We all eat every day, most of us two or three times a day, some of us four or five times a day, right? We go by the, the snack stand at work, we go by the kitchen and grab another snack. And because that's a daily habit, a daily ritual, it's an important way to remember God's care for us. With every meal, with every bite, with every snack, one day at a time, our daily bread, God's grace for us. Now, as I was wrestling with this text and wrestling with this sermon, thinking about Vacation Bible School, uh, the, the irony of the whole scene just sort of continues to wear on me in this particular way. Uh, The way in which this text is hard to relate to, of course, is that these people in the wilderness are crying out in hunger. And while we may can see that as sort of a metaphor for our lives in some ways, there are few of us in this room who cry out for hunger. Most of us in this room live with a certain degree of abundance. We don't worry too much about where our daily bread will come from. We have refrigerators and pantries that are well stocked. If we need something we can go to the grocery store. If we want more to eat that's not available at our home, we can go to a restaurant. That's just true for much of our community. That's true for most of us in our church. And so crying out of hunger, crying out for our daily bread like the Israelites, that's not exactly our experience. That's not exactly something we do on a day-to-day on a day-to-day way. I was so pleased to hear Angela this morning. We have a little staff meeting in the morning before services began, and, and she was asking the rest of the staff's opinion. She said, I'm gonna challenge the, the children who come to Vacation Bible School that not only are we gonna learn to pray for our daily bread, but we're gonna recognize the needs of those around us, and we're gonna challenge the children to bring 500 canned goods or dry goods to give to the withouse. House. And I think she said she's gonna let them pie her in the face. Isn't that what you said? Are you ready to sign on the dotted line? You said me and Chase, but I think we said it would be you. So, someone will get a pie in the face if our children would bring 500 dry good items to VBS this week. I think that's kind of a helpful reminder that give us this day our daily bread. Certainly, that's about our daily, our daily need for God's grace and care. But it may mean that there are also people around us in our community, not far from here, who are living in their own wilderness sort of moment who are crying out to God. Even this morning, there are people crying out to God, what will we eat today? People that live in our community. And so if we're going to pray for our daily bread, if we're going to celebrate God's care for us, then we also have a responsibility to help care for others, to help maybe be an agent of God's grace in someone else's life. We've seen a really significant uptick in the Witt House in just the last couple of weeks. In the last two days this week, on Tuesday and Friday, the Witt House served about 45 households each day. 45 households a day. They have two or three, four or five people per household. Just this week, the, the Witt House helped to feed a few hundred families. A few hundred families. Presumably the same will be in the coming weeks as well. And so when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, when we remember God's care in the wilderness for the Israelites, when we pray over our own meals, of course, we give thanks for God's sustenance and God's love in our lives. But we're reminded that there are those around us who are searching for God's care and sustenance. And perhaps through Vacation Bible School, perhaps through the Woodhouse, we can be an agent. We can be the answer to those prayers for others who are in their own wilderness moment. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks for the ways in which you have sustained us across our lives. We give thanks for the ways in which our families and our church and our community are blessed. We give thanks for the abundance that we know and receive each day, each week. God, as we join in meals here at the church, as we join in meals for Vacation Bible School, as we gather for lunch at our homes, for dinner with our families, may every meal be a reminder to us of your care for us. One day at a time, one meal at a time. Your grace, your love. And yet, God, may we also recognize those in our community who stand in need and those who are crying out to you now, like the Israelites in the wilderness, what now, God? God, use us, use our church, use us as individuals, use the White House or other groups like it to help meet the needs of those around us so that they may, too, also know that you are good and that you care for them day by day as well. These things in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.